We're doing this series um, where we're talking about the people that Jesus became friends with. I think it's really interesting to look at Jesus when he's on earth because he's the model for us on how we should live. And the people that he hung out with, the people that he interacted with, is sometimes surprising. Uh, Some of us would not have been friends with the people that Jesus was friends with. And so they are kind of outcasts, kind of people that were not really in the middle of society, more fringe. Even his disciples, most of his disciples weren't qualified to be disciples. And so Jesus actually brings himself into a relationship where we don't bring very much, but because of Jesus bringing himself into that relationship, everything changes, everything moves forward, everything becomes uh, well holy and sacred, even our regular, ordinary, everyday lives. Today's story uh, that I'm going to read takes place in a town called uh, Jericho. And Jericho was on the highway. Uh, If you were coming from the north end of Jerusalem to the south end of Jerusalem, the middle was a region called Samaria. And Samaria, um, the general population was racist against Samaria. They had derogatory terms for them. Samaria had their own. They're kind of a little bit Jewish, uh, but not all the way Jewish, or a different branch of Jewish. And they had their own place to worship and those kinds of things. And sometimes Jesus went through there, which is remarkable, because most people would walk around, go across the mountains, down another highway, and come back across the mountains. It's like if you lived in Portland, and you wanted to get to Albany, but you hated Salem, And so you drove over the mountains, went down to Bend, and then North Sisters, and then drove back because you just hate Salem, right? Uh, It would be like, and it it makes your trip that much longer, and this is how people normally went about their business. Oh, I'm not going through Samaria. I can't stand Samaria. I don't like Samaritans, so we're going to go around. Uh, So Jesus, on this trip, is actually going around. Uh, he didn't hate the Samaritans, but he's going around. And when you go around, when you come over the mountains, the city that you walk into is Jericho. And Jericho became this center for imports and exports because this was the highway leading uh, to the east out of Jerusalem, the main city, leading to the rest of the world. Plus, it was a stupid rich town. Uh, they actually, it was called the City of Palms. They had a you know how rich people here put up a palm tree, right? And it's like your signal, I'm so rich I grow a tree that doesn't belong here. Uh, <laughs> they don't. But it's like, I wish I was in California. We get it, right? <laughs> uh, but this had a forest of palm trees. And they had a, another a grove of, uh, uh, what is it, balsam, a balsam wood that actually made the air smell good for miles around. So it wasn't just that they were rich. They had natural like smells that made their town smell better than your town. And people would come from miles around in order to vacation there. The rich people had palaces and mansions there. Uh, this was the place to be. And because there was a lot of in and out going on, this became a center for customs and for taxation. Or oh, you're bringing this into Jerusalem You have to pay this much here in order to bring it into Jerusalem. And the way taxes worked in the Roman Empire is they would uh, appoint local people in order to uh, have the locals gather the taxes for the Roman Empire. And so there would be Jewish people who were taxing 
their brothers and sisters, the other Jewish people, in an oppressive way, like the vast majority of people, like 80, 90% of people live below what we would call a poverty line because of oppressive taxation and no health care. But um, they would be taxed, and the tax collectors would make money by putting a little commission on for themselves. So if the tax is 80%, you're actually going to pay 82%, and I'm going to take that 2%. And that was how the Romans set it up. You would get what you want. And today's story involves a guy who was the chief tax collector in the city of Jericho. So he wasn't just like the tax collector, he was the boss of the tax collectors. And if you can imagine a tax collector of an oppressive regime that was occupying the area, and you're working for them, and you're making money by working for them, you are hated. Like, hated, hated, because you're not just working for them, you're a traitor because you are one of us, and you're working for them. And the chief tax collector would be incredibly successful at working for them and being hated so much. So, the guy's name is Zacchaeus. If you were like a Sunday school all-star, which I know there are not a lot of us, there's a song about Zacchaeus, and it is wildly offensive to short people. <laughs> Zacchaeus was short, and that doesn't make him less valuable, right? And someday you're going to get to heaven, and you're going to say, hey, it's Zacchaeus, right? Because I assume there's like a wax museum, but they're real. You're like, hey, Zacchaeus, you're taller than I thought. I thought you were a wee little man. <laughs> like, you're just going to say that to him, right? So don't sing the song. All right. Jeepers. It's bad theology that we're teaching our children. You don't call people wee little men. All right. I'm going to read this story. This is taking place in Jericho, and it's important that you know Zacchaeus was short. All right? And that is just a part of the story, and you'll see why. Let me read through this. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. He was on his way to Jerusalem. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy, wealthy enough that it deserves mention in the scripture. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. And so he ran ahead, and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up, and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once, and he welcomed him gladly. You're not going to believe what happens. All the people saw this, and they began to mutter, He, Jesus, has gone to be the guest of a sinner. The people who went out to see Jesus immediately are turning on him. But Zacchaeus stood up at the banquet or a dinner that they would have had at his house. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. Which I'll explain what that means. But the last verse says, For the Son of Man, which is Jesus' words for himself, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus walks into Jericho, and before there was internet, before there was Instagram, if you wanted to know what was happening, you had to go out of doors, 
and look, right? You were wondering how to dress today. You didn't look out your window. You opened an app, and you said, hmm, it looks like it's cold out or it's warm out, right? Like, you have windows in your house. You didn't use them. <laughs> in the old days, people would go outside. And so Zacchaeus goes outside because he wants to see this guy, Jesus. It speaks to Jesus' reputation that he's gaining. Jesus is going through town, and throngs of people come out, a crowd so large that short guys can't see through the crowd. And you can imagine the short guys kind of liking that the rich dude, or the tall guys in the crowd, kind of liking that the rich dude can't see. Because Zacchaeus held the Roman authority over them. They couldn't do anything about Zacchaeus. You couldn't touch him. He was wealthy. He had everything he needed. But he decided to come out to this parade because he wanted to see what everybody was excited about. He can't see. So he sees a tree in the distance, a climbable tree, and runs down there with low branches because he's a short dude. He climbs up this tree high enough that Jesus has to look up to him. Like this is how big the crowds are. It's not just he stands on a couple low branches. He's above Jesus' head, which Jesus was probably average height. And he's up so that Jesus has to raise his chin to see him. And so this rich dude in town that everybody hates, but he's so rich he don't care because he throws dinner parties and people show up because he's rich and he holds power. So this rich dude is in a tree. He's up there. And there are no like skyboxes in your street, but people would have porches and people would just like in a Roman Colosseum that you saw in the era, there'd be special seating areas for important people. You wouldn't think that that's a tree, like the important people hang out in that tree, but that's where Zacchaeus is. And Jesus, as he's walking through, says, Zacchaeus, you need to come down. I'm staying at your place tonight, which was a common practice. Hospitality was common practice. But Jesus, either this is a miracle or Zacchaeus is wearing a shirt or everybody's yelling at Zacchaeus by his name, or Jesus knows him because he's so wealthy and he's the chief tax collector of the richest town around. And Jesus goes up to this rich dude and says, it's time for you to come down from the tree because we're hanging out. I'm coming over. You're going to feed me dinner. I'm probably going to stay over. It's going to be a good night. Come on down. The people around, who are all secretly hoping Jesus hangs out with them, immediately judge Jesus. And if Jesus is God, if you're judging God, that's always a dangerous place to be, isn't it? Like if Jesus was here today, which he is in a spiritual sense, but if Jesus himself walked in, first of all, it'd be awkward. The second, <laughs> you'd kind of wish that Jesus would say, like if Jesus said, I need to eat lunch at someone's house. Who here isn't saying, yeah, I want Jesus at my house, right? I mean, maybe you didn't clean up this weekend, and maybe you're like, well, next weekend Jesus would work better, you know? But, <laughs> but you kind of, if your house is presentable, you want Jesus to hang out. And then Jesus picks the person here who you know Jesus should not be hanging out at their house. You want to raise your hand? <laughs> Just for example sakes, no one? Okay. <laughs> I thought in our church we'd have 10 or 20 hands, but, but, but Jesus decides to go over to that person's house, and you're immediately like, man, Jesus, that guy, Jesus, what an idiot. Like, he should not be hanging out with that guy. 
He's gone to hang out with sinners. And if Jesus decided to come to your house, if you're smart, you're immediately inviting other people over, right? Like not only is this celebrity coming to your house, but you want your friends to meet the celebrity. You want to be a connector. So this super famous guy, Jesus, is coming over and Zacchaeus immediately brings in a crowd. And if you remember, no internet, no newspapers. If you want to see what's going on, when they threw dinner parties, there would actually be the people eating and then there would be a standing crowd kind of around watching the famous people eat. It's just, you watch the Kardashians, right? You should have raised your hands a few minutes ago if you do, but you, that's judgy. But they would stand around the outside to watch what the important people, what the rich people, what the famous people did. And then they could go and talk to their families about it. And so there would be this important party happening and there would be people there watching. And some of them wished they were with the sinners. Some of you watch the Kardashians and wish you were a Kardashian. Others would be hate-watching, which is what some of you do with the Kardashians. You watch because you hate them. You're like, oh, they're awful, and it makes you feel so good to judge them. That's judgy too, isn't it? But it's truer than the last time I was judgy. And so they would be sitting around watching, enjoying, and Jesus is hanging out with sinners, enjoying for different reasons, either because they wanted to be with the sinners, with the power, or because they enjoyed pointing out that the sinners were sinners, which is something that religious people are really drawn to. But Jesus, with Zacchaeus, who wanted to see, Zacche who wanted to see Jesus, is hanging out, and there's this massive change in Zacchaeus that happens. Why that change happens is the confusing part of this story. Because when Zacchaeus went out to see Jesus, he wasn't thinking, you know what, I really need salvation. I really need my life to change today because of that guy, Jesus, who's coming through town. There's nothing of that in the story. It's Zacchaeus, who's wealthy, who has everything he needs. It's for some reason a little bit unfulfilled and a little bit desperate to get a good view. And he goes out and he climbs a tree to see Jesus. He isn't thinking to himself, you know what, I, my life is in shambles. I definitely need Jesus. Like, oh, everything's so bad. Jesus is my only hope. He didn't, like, he had plenty of hope. He had bags of money. He had a wealthy position. Like, he had an established power in his position. The Roman Empire was saying, you have our authority to do what you want and make as much money as you need to. And so Zacchaeus was doing that. Jesus was not something that he needed. So Zacchaeus goes out. He hangs out with Jesus for an afternoon or for an evening, has some kind of a dinner party. In the middle of it, stands up and makes this pronouncement. Zacchaeus stood up and said, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. A good preacher does offering after this sermon. Half of what you have I'm giving to the poor. Do you know how rich you have to be to give away half of what you have? Just cuts it down the middle. Half of what I have I'm giving to the poor. The people who are at this party all of a sudden, even the hate watchers are like, oh dang, I'm so glad I'm here. 
right? Because maybe he's going to start handing it out now. And then he says, uh, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Now, technically, it's hard for him to cheat anybody out of things because he legally can take what he wants. But if he has cheated people, he's going to pay back four times the amount. And we don't know what they talked about, what Jesus shared with him, but being close to Jesus changed Zacchaeus, his relationship with his stuff. Zacchaeus is. That's a weird way to say that. In Hebrew, his name was Zakai, Z-A-K-K-A-I. Uh, it is a way cooler name, right? And he would have spoke Hebrew, and when you called him Zacchaeus, it was probably not as cool. And he's like, oh, that sounds like a wee little man. My name's Zakai, right? <laughs> so Zakai's stuff is no longer the defining characteristic of who he is. When he gives half his money to the poor, that's generosity. The pay four times back, that's actually living according, if you cheated somebody, that's actually living according to the repentance demanded in the Old Testament. Uh, there are uh, passages in Exodus and passages in 2 Samuel that talk about if, if you found someone who has sinned by cheating someone else out of something, they need to pay them back and pay them back four times the amount. Or pay them back and three more times the amount. Four times the amount is the punishment described in the Bible for cheating someone. And so Zacchaeus isn't like pulling these things out of the air. He's actually saying, I'm going to start living according to what the Scripture says because... You are the Lord. I'm going to go back to who I am. See, Zacchaeus as an outsider or as an outcast, Jesus still saw him as an insider. It is actually like everyone who looked at Zacchaeus would see reasons to hate him, would see reasons that he does not belong, would see reasons that he should be uh, ostracized and apart and hanging out with sinners. When Jesus looked at him, he saw the parts that said he belongs. This is why Jesus calls him a son of Abraham, meaning he is a, a Jewish person, a Hebrew person, a person of the promise of God. See, this sermon is not for people who are far from God. It's actually for the people of God. Because we like to think of lost people as being very, very far from God. But lost could also mean that you're just kind of in the wrong place. Like it, takes, this is, it takes a while to get lost. Right? You don't know you're lost until you're really lost. But when you're found, it's an instant thing. Like one second you weren't found, one second you are found. And Zacchaeus, over time, had become more and more defined by what the people around him said and what the people around him did. Yet Jesus finds him very, very quickly. Then Jesus does this uh, very interesting wordplay where he says, today salvation has come to this house. Uh, Zacchaeus' name in Hebrew is Zacchae. Uh, Jesus' name, Jesus, the word in Hebrew is uh, Yeshua. Salvation is Yeshua. Yeshua 
Yeshua. Salvation is like the female version of Jesus' name. So when Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house, if you weren't listening closely, it's like he says, today Jesus has come to this house. But today, because he says it different, salvation has come to this house. Which is a weird thing to say because nowhere does Zacchaeus say, I want to put my full faith and trust in Jesus. He doesn't pray a sinner's prayer. He doesn't get up in a church service and walk down to the front at an altar. He actually says, I'm going to give away a lot of my stuff. And then Jesus says, that's salvation. It's here today. See, for some of us, salvation is this thing that we made some kind of commitment or commitments and we live in a certain way, yet there's not a discernible difference besides maybe Sunday mornings or some habits that you have between your life in a life of a person who doesn't know God. That is a person who needs Yeshua. And if you say it quickly, you don't know if I'm saying you need Jesus or you need salvation. See, when Jesus changes people, there's a meeting of desperation, of seeking on Zacchaeus' part, on our part, and in those moments, Jesus walks into those, goes over to your house for dinner, hangs out with you, you're close to Jesus, and your life begins to change. What I, what, what I want to do is make some kind of moralistic thing that says, therefore, give more money, right? Like, uh, to the poor, give, give away, if you cheated people, give it back. That's a moralistic view of this scripture. What actually happens is, spend time with Jesus and your life changes. And the whole mission of this church, the whole idea, the whole reason we exist is that lives would be changed by Jesus and lives are changed by Jesus when there's a meeting of your desperation and the proximity of Christ where things begin to change for you. Because today salvation has come to this house because this man is truly a son of Abraham. It wasn't that Zacchaeus was lost according to culture, and then found. It was more Jesus redefining, this is who you are. It's Jesus looking at someone who is, would already call themselves a Christian, who would already say, I've committed my life to Christ, or I follow Jesus, or I, I'm, I believe in God, or I'm part of a church. And Jesus says, you've drifted, this is who you are. And Zacchaeus' life changes. And he hears, this is who I am because of his proximity to Christ. Which is why we talk about, like, reading your scripture is important. I do it like it's a daily habit for me. A prayer is important. Again, it's like a daily habit for me. Multiple times a day, habit for me. The reason it's important is not so that I check a box so that someday I get a good seat in heaven. It's because when I'm close to Jesus, I know who I am. And when I'm far from Jesus, something else defines who I am. And there's a lot of messages in our world that are trying to tell you who you are. Not just what you're like or what you should like, but who you are, what your identity is. And Zacchaeus 
is re-identified, redefined when Jesus says, today Yeshua is here because this man is a son of Abraham. Jesus wants to transform your life. And I'm speaking today to the people who have already made a commitment to Jesus. If you're here and you're like, I don't even like God, this story should carry no conviction for you. Well, it can if you want to. The Holy Spirit will do what it will do. But this is really an insider story. This is a story about a guy who knew who he was and slowly lost his way. There was an opportunity to become a tax collector and work for an occupying army, and he took it. And then he found out he was good at it. And then he got promoted. And then it was who he was. At one point, Zacchaeus was just a kid with Hebrew parents who really dreamed of a future and a, and a promise. His name actually in the Hebrew language means uh, righteous or innocent. And by the time he meets Jesus, he's anything but. And then shortly after meeting Jesus, he is exactly what God always dreamed of him being. Today, there's a lot of us who if we look at our lives, we can see where the goal is, where the narrow path is, and we can see our tracks have drifted a bit. Like in this area, I used to be really passionate I used to show up to church with like an expectation that God would speak to me. I used to have a ton of integrity about my habits. I used to, uh, I could use all sorts of examples. <laughs> That's not the point. The point is, when you are lost, it's very gradual. When you are found, it is a rapid shift back. And today is the day that that rapid shift back can happen for you. And Jesus will meet you at the point of your desperation when you say, Jesus, I am off track. I'm not where I should be. I want to be here. And Jesus can move you back very, very quickly. And let me be clear, it can be life-altering. Zacchaeus gave away half of what he owned and then paid back four times what he had cheated people out of. life altering. I can imagine Zacchaeus' wife is like back there like, whoa, 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 whoa. Um, let's pump the brakes, right? How are we going to afford our kids' school and our kids of this and my habit of this, right? Like Zacchaeus' life changed for the better. The strange thing is we don't hear if Zacchaeus quit his job, right? And sometimes you might think, like I hear people saying, like, well, I do this thing and I think I should be, like I need to be a pastor or a missionary or whatever. And God, like Jesus didn't say, all right, Zacchaeus, now quit your job and follow me, <laughs> right? Go be a tax collector, but do a good job of it. Be fair. Treat people well. So if you work for the IRS today, <laughs> well, by now people are starting to get their refunds, so everybody loves you, right? But... Uh, refund is your money to begin with but anyways <laughs> but when you have your role in society it isn't jesus saying quit your job and everyone go join the christian commune jesus is saying now live for me completely transformed in the role that i have for you 
which is completely and fully possible and impactful for the gospel. Imagine what it's like to have in the richest town in the whole, like in the whole country, the richest area, the lead guy is a believer who treats people fairly. Tell me that doesn't trickle out into the people who work for Zacchaeus and into the other surrounding regions. And maybe you've been put in your position and you're climbing a ladder and given more and more authority and more and more of a role because who you are is going to spread out to the people around you. Tell me that doesn't happen. It happens. Because living for Jesus happens when you're in proximity with Jesus and your life is completely changed. We're going to pray and then we're going to sing. And if you or a person who feels like when I'm talking about drifting and you're like, yeah, I can see that. Now is the time for radical change to come back to the place that God has for you. If you're saying, I've become lax in this area, or I've become undisciplined in this area, or I've become just accepting, or I don't have an expectation of God working either in me or through me, those are all false things that we believe slowly and God wants to bring you back quickly. And so as we pray and as we worship, now is the time for you to become close to Jesus, to refocus, to gather yourself, to ask Jesus to change you completely and bring you back to who God says you are. Let's stand and pray together. Our Jesus, our God, Your scripture is clear that we are your children. We are heirs to you. Everything that you have through inheritance belongs to us. Everything that you are is who we are, and we are the visible, living out demonstration, the body of Christ on this earth. And there's a lot, a lot of messaging a lot of inner dialogue, a lot of failure and shame that tells us something else, that tells us we are unqualified, that tells us we are not worthy, that tells us we are not a good example of what God would be doing in the world. And I pray against that today, and I pray that you would free us from those lies, and I pray that you would bring us to a place of face-to-face interaction with you that actually changes us, where we stand up, and say, from this day forward, that won't define me. That won't be what it is. Across this room, God, there's a lot of people that are naming different things right now. Habits that we've allowed ourselves to get into. Small, small areas where we've fudged on our integrity. Where we've allowed relationships to lax and not invest in them. Where we've stopped honoring people in our families, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our schools. We've allowed our personal grudges or our personal hurts or our personal baggage to define us. And today, we ask you to bring us back to your definition of who we are. That we are children of God. We are chosen and royal. We're a priesthood, a nation of people defined by Jesus. As we worship now, God, may you bring about a desperation in us 
There was something in Zacchaeus that prompted him to go out to the crowd and climb that tree. And that prompting that I believe was the Holy Spirit because he had a plan for Zacchaeus' life today. I pray that that same prompting would work through the Holy Spirit today, this morning, in our lives. And give us the desire for face-to-face, transformative relationship with you, Jesus, today. Salvation has come to this house. Amen.